everyone. This is the Support Ops Podcast. It's a show devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. Check out the blog at supportops.co. You can follow along on Twitter. The handle's at supportops there. I'm your host, Chase Clemens. First off, a big thanks to our partner, Snappy. Snappy is from our friends over at Userscape. See, most customer support apps have some kind of learning curve you've got to figure out at the beginning. With Snappy, their new interface is drop-dead easy really gorgeous. It lets you focus on what matters most, your customers. So go check them out, supportops.co forward slash snappy. This is episode 19, and I've got Nick Francis on the show today. Nick is the co-founder of Help Scout, a lovely customer support app that keeps coming up again and again on the show. So Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a total honor to be on this show. I'm a big fan, Chase. Really appreciate it. Oh, see, if this was like a video call, you would see me blushing. Well, I feel like we owe you some sponsorship anyway, since Help Scout keeps coming up. So might as well tell you what a fan I am. <laughs> so uh, how's it going on your end? How's uh, how's the weather up your neck of the woods? It's a rainy day in Boston, regretfully, but mm. everything else is just outstanding. I'm not going to let it get me down. See, don't you wish you didn't move from Nashville now? It's a lovely 90 degrees with humidity that makes it feel like 105. <laughs> uh, I got to be honest with you, I don't really miss that part. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So uh, for those that haven't heard of you before, let's go ahead and set the stage. Give us some background on yourself and uh, on Help Scout. Yeah. So originally I am from your neck of the woods in Nashville. We both went to the same school, I think, in MTSU. Go Raiders. Go Raiders. And uh, so there is where I met my two co-founders. And we had a design agency, consultancy. Uh, but the dream was always to build a web app. And so... Uh, Fast forward six years, we were actually accepted into Techstars, which is a startup accelerator program here in Boston. And we moved up here for three months. It went super well. We got to build Help Scout, basically. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. That was a little over two years ago. And uh, Help Scout's basically, for those that don't know, it's a really simple uh, help desk. That's that The way we advertise it is that it's invisible to customers, so it provides you all the scale and uh, features of a traditional help desk, but it's completely invisible to the customer. There's no ticket numbers or any uh, robotic templates, any of that stuff. looks just like a normal email when an agent replies. You know, you just did the first Help Scout Pro Tips online class, right? Was that the first one? Yeah, yeah, that was last week. Yeah, how did it go? Uh, did you Did you learn anything from it? It's weird. I didn't know we had pro tips. I guess that's when you become a real uh, official company is when you've got pro tips. That's just when you're looking for a name for a class and you're like, pro tips. Yeah, we've got those. Yeah. So uh, the first couple of years of Help Scout, I mean, you know, we pride ourselves on being really simple. You can figure the app out in about 10 minutes. At least that's that's the design. Uh, But there are, you know, over the last couple of years, we've added some advanced things, keyboard shortcuts and some other really cool features that are kind of hidden just out of the way. So yeah, I, I did a webinar. I realized that we're not really good at webinars. And by we, I mean me. That's not my strong suit. Uh, but still, it was a lot of fun. And we're basically doing it as an experiment to kind of document this out. I think we're better at kind of documenting things. And I also wanted to show a really cool new feature that we're going to launch in the next couple of weeks. So it went overall went very well. Well, good. Uh, you know, with the customers, the customer base that you've got, was it did lots of customers show up? Was it more kind of a like smaller, intimate kind of thing or somewhere in between? 
It was smaller. We only promoted it to our customers, uh, to our paying customers even. We wanted a pretty small group. So we had about 40 customers show up. Uh, and it was really for archiving purposes on our end. We wanted to be able to keep that video around uh, and just decide what was important to document moving forward and whether we wanted to take this any further as far as putting it on the site uh, or anything like that. But uh, we're really interested in kind of helping people, something I hear a lot uh, is how to take things to the next level. Like what are, what are the best practices using Help Scout? What's the ideal way to do it uh, or set it up or kind of workflow for different sizes of teams? They just want a little bit of guidance strategically, not so much with the product. And so we're a little bit more interested in this strategic guidance uh, and a little less on you know, how to use the product. Hopefully people can figure that out for themselves. It's not too hard. I've, I've played with it here and there and it didn't seem too complicated to get started. Good. Then we're on the right track. (laughs) So just for people that might be looking at kind of doing something similar to that class, what app did you end up using to actually run it? Uh, Maybe like GoToWebinar or something like that? So I've used GoToWebinar. I do like a lot of things about it, uh, but we ended up using a a product called JoinMe. And I use that for demos. And the reason I like it is because it it doesn't require the customer to download anything. You Mm -hmm. can view it right in your browser. And that was the difference for me. GoToMeeting, even back in our client consultancy days, I remember, you know, you'd have to kind of block out the first 10 minutes just getting people online. Um, So JoinMe is a much better experience, at least for the customer, in my opinion. And so we ended up using that. And then I just kind of record it with Camtasia. Uh, but as you might notice, if you look at the video, <laughs> my browser kind of slowed down near the end and it looked like Help Scout was kind of slow and it was because <laughs> of all the junk that was running in order to make this webinar happen. So I've got a little bit of practice to to, to do still. That was one of the first things we learned because, uh, you know, with 37 Signals and, and Basecamp, we do the classes too. We recorded them um, mm-hmm. and we tried to record the first one and it slowed everything down on my computer. <laughs> and we quickly learned if you're going to record, set up another computer, add them as somebody on the, uh, the yep. class and just go ahead and let them record it. Don't worry about you recording it. That's a much better flow. And I've actually watched the Basecamp classes. They're outstanding. You guys do a really good job with them. We tried. And it was one of those where... In the beginning, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, Basecamp is so easy to use. What do we show with it? But a lot of times it was, customers don't want to know how to use something. They want to know what the best practices are. Exactly. Like, like the, the strategies. Yeah. The strategies. Yeah. So something to keep in mind as, as people do videos and do online classes and, and do that kind of thing, your customer is not worried about what happens if you click this button. They're more worried about what's the best way to set this up for my, my team? And if, if my team is a little different than, than what you typically advertise to, is it still going to work and that kind of thing? Well, that's why we're such big fans of what you do at Support Ops because it's all about best of the best practices. It's not really about any one platform or any sort of thing like that. It doesn't get too nitty-gritty. It's all about strategies for different size companies and figuring out uh, the best ways to do support, uh, as you put it, in a very human way. You know, we try. We try to bring that humanity back. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes we succeed. We we win more often than we lose. I'll put it that way. Um, That's the tagline we always should have had for Help Scout. <laughs> it's good. So with, with the customers that you've got, I'm sure that there's lots of them that are sending in different ideas and thoughts with, with how to make Help Scout better and that kind of thing. How do you handle those kind of emails with customers? 
So from day one, uh, I'm sort of obsessed with customer feedback. Um, I'm the one that still to this day, I'm the CEO of the company, but I do more support than anybody in the company because I kind of lead our product direction. And from day one, uh, I've been really obsessed with customer feedback. And so that's an enormous thing in our business as far as how it plays into the product roadmap. And, and the way that we organize it on our end, we've actually written about this on our blog before, uh, but the way that we, we organize it on our end is that whenever a customer asks for a feature, uh, we basically store it in a Trello board, and we've got a few different boards. Uh, one is basically an ideas board, which if we don't have it on our roadmap, you just throw it in the ideas board, and every so often we look through there. Uh, we also have, a, and then we have like a roadmap board, so things that we're actually planning to build so, you know, if it's not me answering, somebody else on the team uh, can actually get an idea of where it sits on the roadmap and then uh, add the customer's email address. And then the cool thing about adding the email address to every single feature card is that when it goes out, we can actually let them know. So um, we've got a feature coming out, you know, in the next one or two weeks where we're going to be letting a couple hundred people know that they've uh, requested this feature over the last who knows how long. And so we get to email them a personal note. It's just another wow factor when... When you actually take somebody's advice and are able to not only release that feature, but remember uh, that they asked for it and contact them, it's a real wow factor. So we try not to miss those opportunities. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it's easy to get an email and just kind of be like, oh, that's a neat neat idea and just kind of throw it off into a pile. Um, But when you can launch a feature and then let people know that we're looking for that feature, that it's there, it kind of just the customer stops and goes, wow, that's that's really awesome. Right, but that kind of leads me to, into an interesting uh, problem, which is the issue of scale. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so that you know, the business has grown, and, and at Thirty Seven Signals, for instance, you know, like there's no way that you guys could probably keep up with uh, adding everybody's email address to every single request. It just doesn't make uh, sense. It's not a good use of your time. So, trying to balance customer feedback and uh, being able to scale that as the business grows is a challenge that I'm really excited to take on and we haven't quite figured out yet, to be honest. Yeah, and just kind of the secret for for me anyways, I know everyone on our team doesn't do this, but one of the things I do is if I see somebody that is writing in about a specific request like multiple times and, and they're telling us how they would use it and, and they're you know really presenting a good use case for it, then I do have a, a little section on my computer that I go in and, and no, uh, note their email address and what they're looking for. That way, if it does come back around, I can kind of shoot that off, shoot that oh, email awesome. to them. But like you said, this is not I only if maybe you were really religiously fanatic about tags inside of your help desk. <laughs> yeah. Would that ever work? I guess in that case, you could tag everybody about a specific request that you were looking at doing and, and then pull up all the emails. But like you mentioned, scale is just tough when you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of customers. And when now we're kind of to the point where it's a lot more no's than yeses. Like, you know, initially it was mm-hmm. like, you know, X needs to work. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, uh, you know, just some really advanced stuff and some of them don't really apply when you're just trying to build a really simple product. So you guys probably have to say no a lot more than, than you do yes. And so I'm starting to know how that feels. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> so uh, one of the big reasons I wanted to get you on the show was because you're, you know, we had talked a little about, about how you're looking for your first full-time support person. Um, mm. And hopefully hopefully you won't find them between now and when this gets posted next week. So you <laughs> it, know. I don't think so. <laughs> um, up to this point, you've managed to do 
the whole company has been doing support. This is literally the first full-time support person that you're looking for. So how have you pulled that off so far? What what kind of tips and tricks can you give us for companies that aren't big enough for a full-time support person yet and, and mm-hmm. are just trying to keep up on their support queue? That's a great question. So we do have the luxury of support actually just being a way to dog food our own product. Um, so from day one, that was a really big priority is that's just a way for us to use our own product. But um, we are about to hire our first person. It's, it's been a really interesting process. So the way that we started um, was kind of a free-for-all. And that's the way I would encourage small businesses to do it. Um, you know, you got, let's say you're like us, you're three three guys basically sitting in a room or even your remote. Um, you all care deeply about building a great product. And so it's kind of a free-for-all. And that's when it totally works. Everybody just kind of handles whatever they can support-wise. But then the volume gets to a point where you might need a little bit more structure. And for instance, in our business, we've got people um, that need to be able to focus for eight hours at a time. There's a good chance, like a developer or a marketer that actually just needs to be able to kind of unplug and and do what they want to do to execute in their real job. So what we've started to do in the last few months that's worked really well is start with support rotation. So basically, I handle support all the time, every day, and then uh, my co-founder, Jared, who does all of our design work, uh, also helps out with that as well. And then uh, one other person is on rotation that week. And so it could be a developer, it could be somebody on our marketing team. Uh, and by the way, our team is only seven people, so the rotation goes through pretty fast. But we add them to chat that week, and they are knee deep in support. And it really helps everybody understand the product. Like, so this week we have a developer on support, uh, and he's learning things he never, you know, dreamed he would learn about not only our customers but the way our product works. And so it's been extraordinarily helpful and worth every penny, in my opinion, for him to be doing support this week. So. Um, we just do a weekly rotation. So he's on this whole week and then next week it'll be somebody else on the team. But it kind of brings them into the fold of what we're really doing and what the company is about. Um, and it also helps them dog food. So I couldn't encourage the support rotation more if you feel like the free-for-all method is getting a little bit out of hand. Um, I know the Wufu guys, you, you had one of those guys on recently and they do a really interesting rotation Well, as well that seems to work. So. When you when you bring these like designers or programmers in to do their rotation, um, mm-hmm. do you kind of just dump them in and say, "Here, go for it," or do you give them some like standard snippets and replies and that kind of thing? Or, or we dump them in. Just dump we them dump in. We dump them in. Yeah, because I want to see what they don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I want to see what they don't know about the product, and, and but it brings up great discussion. You know, like the, mm-hmm. my favorite thing about having a developer do support is they'll just go in and fix it. They'll get so frustrated <laughs> that like. They'll just go fix it, and it's brilliant for everybody. So whenever you need something fixed, you just make sure to dump that developer in and let them <laughs> see all of those cases. Yeah, make sure they feel the pain just like the customer, and then it's a win-win. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome. So with the, your, your first full-time support hire that you're working with, mm-hmm. um, that you're working on, on finding – for a company that's in a similar situation that they're looking for that first full-time support person, can you kind of give them some advice about what they need to be looking for and, and where they need to be looking for that person? Yeah, I, I think that the we call it customer champion. Uh, that position is really unique in a sense because uh, essentially everybody that applies is on paper qualified <laughs> because 
you know, like, for instance, you started uh, in the restaurant business before mm-hmm. you got involved in customer support. Like, people come from all over the place. Uh, I can't, I mean, I've talked to people all across the map and all across the board career-wise, uh, stage and life-wise, that are interested in this position. So the interesting thing is don't disqualify anybody on paper with customer champion type stuff. It's all about um, them being able to execute as far as just, um, I don't know, there's kind of a magic factor that they've got. We What we do is start with, um, we start with some written responses. So the, the way to apply is to answer a couple uh, some really tricky problems, mm-hmm. uh, not problems, but questions, uh, and they actually have to write out the answers. Uh, and that's how we judge a candidate initially. We don't even pay as much attention to the to the resume. So really, the one thing I would encourage another small business to do is not pay attention to the resume. Just look for somebody that um, is extremely empathetic and excited to come in and help people every day. And they could they could have any background in the world in order to meet those qualifications. Even just from the support people I've worked with so far, it's literally been the whole range of backgrounds from people who, you know, are 40 or 50 years old and and coming off like some weird random boat where they were cruising around for a while, all the (laughs) way to like librarians and, and restaurant workers and, and rental agencies. And I mean, it's just, you never know when you're going to find that real gem of a customer champion kind of person. So find a way to qualify or disqualify them quickly, which I think that we've kind of nailed. But at the same time, don't disqualify anybody based on uh, experience uh, or location or anything like that. Uh, our first remote, our first person is probably going to be remote. I don't care. Um, I think that's an outstanding opportunity for all of us to learn. So um, they just need to be great people. So one of the things that Help Scout does really, really, really well, and and kudos to you for finding the guy that does most of them is, is the, the resources that you put out and the blogs that you have. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of credit here to Gregory, because that guy can sure. just write like nothing. Gregory's I mean, the man. <laughs> he, he is, he is absolutely fantastic. Why does help Scott have such an emphasis on those kind of customer support, customer service resources and, and blog articles and things like that? I mean, that's kind of, you don't see that often when it comes for, especially from a customer support app, Right. Yeah, so a couple of reasons. Uh, I feel like from day one, we knew that was a big priority. So um, just from a business standpoint, we are not the first help desk. You, that may be, come as a shock to you, but we're not what? actually the first <laughs> help desk on the scene. So uh, in order to uh, succeed and build a great product, we needed to kind of use a different playbook. And that playbook for us uh, is not only kind of bootstrapping, even though we've raised a little bit of money, but it's also uh, using inbound marketing. We feel like we can be really great at content. From day one, I felt like we could really set ourselves apart with content because if you, I'm sure you've looked at a lot of the customer service content that's out there, and that's why you started Support Ops. But it's, yeah, it's really like rainbows and unicorns, though, is the kind of the way that I put it. Like it's super fluffy. Yeah. Um, what we call internally white bread. It's just kind of <laughs> kind of meaningless. So I like that uh, internally white bread. Yeah. So like basically, we'll categorize posts in white bread or wheat bread. So white <laughs> bread gets more shares and views and and uh, noise, and but wheat bread is actually better for the customers. But uh, anyways, we felt like we could stick out like a sore thumb just by creating some really outstanding content. And for, I remember one of my first conversations with Greg. He started as a contractor and now he's full-time. 
Uh, but one of my first con- conversations with him where I think we both really resonated and saw the opportunity is when we say, look, let's let's add some real substance to the customer service conversation. This is not about rainbows and unicorns. This is the case for building a more profitable, more successful, more high growth business based on great customer service. You, you know, we can show you the data to prove uh, that customer service can be your greatest marketing asset rather than just a cost uh, that, that goes in the cost of goods column of your P&L. Um, so we really saw a big opportunity in just evangelizing uh, customer service as a marketing tool, and there's data to prove it. We just needed to put it out there. Yeah, a lot of times, and one of the things I really love is that when you're diving into this this data, a lot of times companies will get lost in all these different acronyms and and industry industry standards and and all this. It's just corporate lingo there to like reinforce themselves and pat themselves on the back. And and HelpScout doesn't do that. It's you put the data forth and you say, here's what it shows and here's what it means to you. And kind of as a side benefit, it it brings people in to where if they're looking for a way to better support their customers, oh, here's HelpScout, which is a really cool approach, especially for a, a customer support app. Yeah, and I think that that small businesses think differently about customer service, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like, so the, the concept of a help desk was born in the enterprise. Like it was born in really big companies where they had tons and tons of people that needed to do customer service. And over the years, it just sort of funneled down to small business. But the way we saw things, that doesn't fit small business. Like that's that's actually really complicated and kind of puts you out of touch with the customer to handle customer service that way. So is there a way we can kind of help people live out this methodology using a, a good product as well. So we, we do see the, the two things as being pretty complementary. Yeah, the first time I ever kind of, and I didn't realize what it was at, at the time, but when I was in college, I was working for a, a small mom and pop accounting uh, firm. And literally their help desk was a Rolodex. They would have the customer's name. And then whenever <laughs> the customer called, they would write down what problem they had and how they fixed it. And then they would put the sheet back in the Rolodex. <laughs> That's, brilliant. Like, That's Could you give me their number? <laughs> is that not just <laughs> fantastic? I mean, it's so I love it. beautifully simple. I mean, that is customer support for a mom and pop business right yeah. there. Yeah, and they have probably a history of everything that they've ever called about still, and they under, yeah. they have a personal relationship there. So, And I believe technology is at a point where you can have that personal relationship at scale. You can have several thousand customers. We do it, um, and it, it totally works. So final question. Tell me about the best customer service, customer support experience you've gotten. And the kicker is always that it's you getting the, the service. It's not you helping a customer. It's somebody helping you as a customer. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow this one out of the water. I'm gonna shock you. <laughs> Go for it. I had great customer service today, and uh, it was from, of all people, my lawyer. I what? have to give her credit. Her name is Mary Beth Kerrigan. She's great. Uh, she's really she's helped us from day one. And uh, bottom line, like there were some weird charges, and I was like, look, I don't think this is fair. And she said, you're right, it's not fair. I'm just gonna get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so. A true, uh, unique moment of honesty coming from my lawyer, one of the best in the business today, uh, giving us a little credit on our bill just because they messed up and she knew it. So it was it was super nice. It was a great experience. Uh, and that's why we're a customer. I don't think I've ever heard of a lawyer just voluntarily giving up money. 
I wanted to stick out. I wanted to come up with a story that would really resonate with the audience, stick out from the other one. So there you go. <laughs> well, Nick, it's been great talking with you. Thanks for being on the show. It's my pleasure. That means episode 19 is in the books. You can reach out to Nick on Twitter. He's at Nick Francis. He's also on the web. And the website's a little tricky. Let me spell it out. It's Nick frac.is so it's nick francis but it's .is for the the domain name so make sure to watch out for that show notes are up over at supportops.co forward slash podcasts and if you like the podcast if you like nick if you like me if you like help scott whatever your reason for liking us rate us in itunes just search for the support ops podcast there thanks again for listening and i'm chase until we meet again have an awesome week